All right, why don't you guys、um, open up your Bibles? You guys ready for the word today?、Yeah. I want you guys to turn to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to be reading from verses 1 to 9 together. Hmm. All right, I'll read、uh, a verse and you guys can read the following verse and we'll just go back and forth, okay? Uh, Romans 8, I'm going to be starting from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, and we will stop there, can we say amen? amen. That's a good word there. All right, my, my message、um, is called Shifting into the Spirit. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Shift into the Spirit. All right, now do it like Pastor Benjamin would do it and, and squint your eyes and then point, shift into the spirit. Well, how, come you all not, how come you're not doing it, huh? <laughs> shift into the spirit. Now, here in Romans chapter 8, Paul points out the very key that believers need to live a successful, and by successful, I mean victorious life. In fact, Paul describes God's people to be one that doesn't live in the flesh, but lives according to the Spirit. Now, before we go any further, I want to break down what, it, what flesh means and what Spirit means in the context of what Paul is talking about. When he talks about flesh, it's sarka. And what that means is sin nature. He's not talking about just our physical flesh, okay? He's not talking about our skin. He's not talking about our physical bodies. He is talking about sin nature. Now, Pastor Benjamin, he defines it as this the sin nature is the realm of sin's operation. That means whenever you are in sin of any kind, you are in the flesh. See, now, the internal, there is an internal principle of rebellion against God. That is innate in every single person. There is an internal, internal principle that is in rebellion against God inside every single person. This is before we accept Christ. Now, how we know that, Pastor Benjamin gives the example that we don't need to teach babies how to disobey, we don't need to teach children how to disobey. We actually, what we need to teach them is how to. Obey, which means there's an innate 
uh, there's something innate inside the people that causes us to rebel against God. And that is being in the flesh. Sin nature. You guys say being in the flesh. So if you're struggling with sin or you're involved in a certain sin, you're not living according to the spirit, but you're living in accordance to your flesh. Now, if that's what flesh means, then what does spirit mean? Well, spirit means the new nature. If we're talking about flesh being the old nature, this is when we receive Christ, the old has gone and the new has come, then being in the spirit means we are in the new nature, the original form of what God has called us to be, and that is in his image. That means when we're talking about living according to the spirit, we're talking about living according to who God is and who that makes us. In the spirit. Turn to your neighbor and say, shift into the spirit. You know, can I ask you a question? Does God lack anything? Does he lack anything? When he gives us his love, is he all of a sudden depleted of love and he needs to get refilled? No, God lacks nothing. In fact, he possesses everything, which means when we are in the spirit, we possess everything. That means when we are in the spirit, even though we give and we pour out our love, it's impossible for us to be burnt out. Because God never burns out. Get that in your minds because we make that excuse as people of God all the time. Oh, you see, I need to step down from leadership because I'm burnt out. Oh, I'm so, I'm so drained because I've been pouring and I've been, I've been doing discipleship and I had some difficult you know, the people to disciple and I'm just, oh, so weary and so burnt out. You know what's going on? You're in the flesh when you're talking like that. You're not in the spirit because in the spirit, we possess everything. We possess everything in the spirit. Being in the spirit means we're living the life that's reborn. See, when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and when we realize and recognize that and pray that prayer, Jesus, I need you. You are my savior and I'm going to make you Lord over my life. What we are saying is we are going to die to our flesh. And what happens is in the spirit, we're reborn. There is power when we operate in the spirit. But there's a key here that Romans talks about of how we operate in the flesh and how we operate in the spirit. And if you turn with me to verse 5, I'm going to read that for you. For those who live according to the flesh set their what? Minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their what? Minds according to the things of the spirit. The key here is your mind. You know how we're transformed? It says by the renewing of our minds. Now we have the decision... To set our minds on the things of the flesh or set our minds on the things of the spirit. Now, when we set our minds to the things of the flesh, what does it say? We will live according to the flesh. But if we set our minds according to the spirit, we will live in accordance to the spirit. You know, the example um, that Pastor Benjamin was giving to me was that you guys ever played that game centipede? Basically, in elementary school, it's this game where, like, everybody, um, you just make a long line and everybody holds on to each other's, like, uh, hips. I'm trying to describe. This just looks weird. Okay, listen. 
There's somebody here, and I'm, I'm, my arms are wrapped around, and then the person behind me, their arms are wrapped around me, and then so forth. So we're all basically connected. So you have a, a, a group of like 10 kids, and they're all holding on to each other. But the kid in the front, he's the one that has control. So when the kid in the front turns left, where's everybody else going to go? They're going to turn left. And if the kid on the right turns right, in the front turns right, everyone's going to go right. Now, what's crazy is that kid that's all the way in the back, they're the one that just gets whipped around. Because if you ever play the game, even if the kid's like this, the one in the back's like, <laughs> I'm about to make you play it right now just to show my, okay, fine. I will withhold. But what Pastor Benjamin was saying is that the mind is the control center. It is like the child that is in the front. And when the mind says, we're going to turn left, everything else follows. Now, you see, your body is, I mean, not your body, but we are, we are made up of our spirit, our soul, and our body. But when we're talking about our soul, that is inclusive of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Now, if our mind is the control center then whatever our mind decides to be true, then our emotions, our will, and our body will follow. Let me give you an example. If you begin to get sick, our, our brother Robbie was talking about how he was getting sick and you know he knew it was an attack, right? But he was getting sick, or if you get sick and all of a sudden in your mind, you have a choice to decide what's true. On one hand, you can live according to the flesh, which is the old nature, which is inclusive of sickness. And you can say, you know what? I am, I'm sick. And you just make that statement and you declare that's truth. All of a sudden, your mind then turns a certain way and then your emotions will follow. Man, I'm sick. And then you just start getting discouraged and you just start feeling bad for yourself. And then your will begins to fall. And you're like, you know what? I'm sick, so I'm going to stay home today and not go to work because, you know, I'm just sick. And then your body will continue to follow as well. And your body will remain sick. But if you begin to shift your mind into the things of the spirit, what you say is, you know what? I'm experiencing sickness, but the truth is I'm healed. It says in God's word that by his stripes, we are healed. That means what's true is I must have access to healing. I am healed. Then that becomes your truth. And all of a sudden your emotions, rather than being discouraged, you're encouraged. And rather than being filled with depression because you're sick, you're filled with joy because you know you're going to be healed. And then your will, you begin to act out as if you're already healed. And guess what? Your body follows and you become healed. You see how our mind plays such a powerful role? See, and that's why the devil, when he attacks us, you know what he's really trying to attack? Our minds. Even when he attacks your body, the aim isn't your body. The aim is if he can get us to believe in what's not truth or get us to believe in the old nature, then it's done. You know, we watched a, a movie, Nefarious, this past weekend and it was talking about the the human trafficking that's going around all around today in this world and they were specifically talking about what would happen with eastern european women they would kidnap them capture them trick them deceive them whatever and then they would take them to what was called a breaking house now in the breaking house is where these women would get raped beaten watch other women get beaten basically the whole purpose of the breaking house was not to break their body but to break their 
minds. Because the moment that these men or whoever is in charge has control over their minds or have convinced these women that they're utterly defeated in their minds, they just know that everything else will follow. You know, I was actually, um, before I married Christian, I was in a relationship for almost four years with a guy that I started when I was in college. And, uh, you know, many, many of my friends were just always telling me, what are you doing with this guy? You know, at the time, you have to keep into consideration, I was living a rebellious lifestyle. I was saved, but I was running away from the Lord. And this guy happened to be a drug dealer, not a big-time one, a small-time one, because he did drugs. Really, you can't be a big-time drug dealer if you do drugs because you basically buy everything off yourself. Yeah, I don't know if you guys understand that concept. but <laughs> And so he was a small-time drug dealer because he was a drug user and abuser. But I was in this relationship with this guy, and the things that we went through, you would think I was crazy for staying with him. You know, when he was coming down from a, a, a drug high, you know, if you see in the... Let me try to explain something to you guys, okay? When you do drugs, you get a high, all right? But with drugs, you get a low, okay? So when you get high, what, what goes up must come down. That's the concept of drugs, okay? So here we would get these incredible highs and be like, oh, this is great, I love you. I'm going to marry you, all this stuff. But eventually, that would reach a low. And when we would hit the lows, the things that we would say to one another was unreal, the things that he would physically do to me, mentally do to me, verbally, just in all ways in my mind, say to me, you would think that I was crazy for staying with him for so long. I mean, I'm not even going to repeat the nicknames. Now, we talk about nicknames like, oh, honey, you're a cupcake. You know, you're my little Apple MacBook. You know, I don't know what kind of endearing, what kind of endearing name we can give. But let me give you a clue. The nicknames that I got when we were hitting those points were not like that. You know what I'm saying? And people would ask me, what are you still doing with him? But you know what? My mind was entrapped. My mind was in such deception and bondage. I just believed that I believed that I believed that what we had was true love. And I believed that I believed that he really loved me. I just really, despite the way he treated me, despite the way that he talked to me, despite everything that's proving against that truth in my mind, I was convinced. And because that was my mindset, I stayed with him. Now, when I share this story, I want you guys to understand that I'm not just the victim here. I also play the role of abuser in that relationship. I also said things to him that you guys, I can't even repeat. But in that same way, our minds were in bondage, entrapped, in deception. We were living according to the flesh. When you live according to the flesh, there's only one direction you're heading to. You know what that is? Death. But it says here in verse chapter, uh, verse 6, chapter 8, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is what? Life and peace. Peace. Some of us, we try to get the peace of God, but we're still in the flesh. Your, your thoughts are still set on the things of the old nature, who you used to be. And you're still, but God, give me peace. It does not work like that. 
You got to shift your mind first onto the things of the spirit. And then life and peace is what you'll experience. Now, I'm going to talk about just a couple of ways that we can shift in the spirit. But I want you to understand that when you begin to focus on the flesh, again, flesh, sin nature, or your old self, right? Versus the spirit being made in the image of God, possessing that everything, possessing the very things of God. If you live in accordance to your flesh and you are a believer, you know what's really happening? What's really happening is you're putting more faith in the devil than you are in Jesus. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he died for us to live on this side. And yet we keep trying to live on this side. You know, one of the ways that we need to shift into the spirit, shift our minds, is with our identity. You know, many of you guys see me preaching or at Sunday swim, praying, or I don't know what you see me do. You know, but you may think, oh man, she's such a Christian girl. She's so wholesome. And they hear me talk about drugs and you're like, wait, what? I'm so confused. How does she know about that? You know, (laughs) my, my testimony is one filled with just addiction, bondage, drugs. I was arrested because I was addicted to stealing. So I I got arrested for uh, stealing. It almost was a a felony actually, because I almost had a thousand dollars worth of merchandise in my hands at the time I got caught. You know, when I stand here before you today and I'm talking about that I'm living the righteous life and that I'm standing as a woman of God, you need to understand that something needed to shift in my mind before I was able to live it out. Because when I first came to Korea, what actually was happening was I was trying to start all over. I hit such a rock bottom in in the place that I was at and I was desperate to be saved. Desperate to be pulled out. You know, when you start doing drugs by yourself, you know you got you in a bad place. When you start doing drugs with people in general, I mean, that's not a good place either. I'm not trying to say, oh, but do drugs with people, because that's okay. (laughs) I'm not trying to say that. But, you know, I started out doing drugs just socializing, but it got to the point where I was just trying to get high by myself. And I just started to draw away from people. And I just began, tried to be more and more um, shut out, because it hurt too much. You know, I hit rock bottom. And then I came to New Philly. At the time, it was called JSCM, and everybody was, like, so happy. And they're all like, oh, Jesus. And then, you know, people are jumping up and down and worshiping. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, and I thought, yeah, well, that's, that's them. And, and the, this is me. So I always sat in the back area just because, like, in, in my heart, that's where I thought I belonged. You know, like, if the front row is, like, where real Christians are, you know. Then the back row is where, like, the, um, I think I'm a Christian. (laughs) That's where they are. So I'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit in the back, and this is where I'm going to be. But, you know, my identity was still in the place of the flesh. And all of a sudden, I'm trying to pursue God. But before I can live a life for God, God began to teach me through discipleship, through being on prayer team, through going on missions, through all these different avenues. He began to teach me that I need to first shift my mind. You ever try to change yourself by starting with just your actions? You have a habit that you want to cut out of your life. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to change just just by the pure will. I'm going to change. Because eating 10 pounds of chocolate a day is not good for me. So tomorrow I will only eat two pounds. 
And you make this decision and you tell yourself you're going to do it and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, next day, you just got empty wrappers all over, all around you. Chocolate smeared on your lips. I'm not talking about me. I'm just saying, just in case, you know, just, you know, but, and you try to change from the outside first. You realize that you'll fail big time. True transformation, it starts with your mind. It starts with the renewing of your mind. Are you going to shift into the spirit? Or are you going to stay in the flesh? Let's get one thing straight, brothers and sisters. Being in the flesh is actually not who you are. When you accepted Jesus Christ and you were baptized, for many of us at New Philly who were baptized, we get immersed in the water. When we go down in the water, that symbolizes the death to our old self. And when we come up, what we're saying is we're dying to our flesh and we're coming alive in the spirit. So anything that we do that's still in accordance to our old self is not actually who you are. We need to claim our identity in the spirit. Now watch this. When I got called to do Emmaus, lead Emmaus as director. Emmaus is our college ministry. Any Emmaus people? Come on, Emmaus. Let me do that again. Emmaus. Train them. That's good. Now when I got called to do uh, a college campus um, ministry, I was at a place where I had just been transformed and In terms of experience, I had zero. Now, you need to understand my college ministry experience was none because I was the one that college ministers would warn their kids about not to hang out with. Like, that was who I was. And, you know, whenever I went to my college ministry, I think I went once and I felt so uncomfortable because, like, I was just like, everyone's judging me. And half of these people I saw at the club last night. So this is just, this is whack. And so I'm going to get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what I saw you do. You judging me, but anyway, no, but you know, when I was, that's, that was my experience of campus ministry. So when my husband said, you know what? I think you're going to be the one to take this over. You could imagine the inadequacy that I felt the complete, I don't have the skill. I don't even know how to work an Excel sheet. I don't know how to do administration. So I don't even know what a Bible study is supposed to look like in college. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. All I felt was lack, 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 lack. And, and if I were to be honest with you, I struggle with that. I struggle with that for, for years, actually. It wasn't until I came under the mentorship of Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny, my ministry at Emmaus hit a brand new place. It was because they told me who I really was. All I saw is what I did. All I saw is who I used to be. And because my mind was set on that, that's exactly what I did. I convinced myself. I thought, I thought, you know what? This is truth. I'm in lack. And therefore I manifested being in lack. But when they began to speak to me, all of a sudden something happened in my heart and in my mind. And they were like, no, you lack nothing in the spirit. You possess everything in the spirit. If you say that you are inadequate, you're saying more about the devil than you are about God. You're putting more faith in him. And they just began to challenge me and say, no, you are filled with wisdom. Even though I, man, I could tell you, I could write a book of the things that I made mistakes on. Foolishness. 
foolishness, but they would say, no, it doesn't matter what you did. Who you are is a woman of wisdom. Now, when they began to get my mind to wrap around that, all of a sudden, when I set my mind on, no, that's who I really am. I am capable because God is with me. I am called because he's called me. I lack nothing because he's given me everything I need. I'm not weak. I'm strong. When I began to claim those things and set my mind on those things, man, our ministry hit a brand new place. It started with my mind, then my emotions, then my will, then my body. Everything else, circumstantially, it began to follow. The power of our minds is incredible. And I began to shift in the spirit regarding my identity. I want you to just turn to your neighbor right now, and I want you to say, shift into your spirit. Come on, say, shift yourself. (laughs) You know, another area where we need to learn how to shift our minds into the spirit is relationships that we have with other people. Uh Uh-oh, I'm going to talk about some. I'm going to get a little bit personal here. It's not just about your identity and your relationship with God. So many of us live in this place. We're like, yeah, us and God. Yeah, we're so good. I, my mind is here and blah, 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 blah. I set my things in the spirit. But when it comes to your relationships with people around you, all of a sudden, you see where you put your faith in. You know, when I came back from California, I spent almost a month in California, and I learned all these amazing things. And when I got home, I was so excited to tell Christian. I was like, yes, I'm going to tell him, and we're going to change this, I'm going to do that, and we're going we're to do this, and I'm going to be this, and I'm going to be that. And then I, and then I, and then I, and then I talked with Christian. And, and, then, and then I was like, oh, wait, wait a second. This is weird. I feel like there's separation. I felt like all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, maybe Christian doesn't get what I'm saying. Maybe, oh man, it's because he needed to be there. You know, because he wasn't there with me for a month, you know, now I'm at this level. And then because he was in Australia and he learned all these things in Australia while I was gone, he's at this different level. Now we're separated. And I began to slowly entertain these thoughts. And I began to say to myself, you know what? I think there... There's division. I should have never went to California without him. I should always stay by his side because if I if I leave and I go to a trip without him, then then it causes division. You know? I just started to really entertain the and you know what? My mind began to shift into the things of the flesh. And I let my circumstances and actually more importantly, I let my emotions play the lead role here. And I said, I feel like he doesn't care what I have to say. Therefore, that's truth. And therefore, I'm going to make every decision out of that lie. And so what ended up happening was I felt myself wanting to draw back from him. And now all the things that I wanted so badly to share with him, I just began to not talk to him about it. So, you know what? I'm just, it's not really interested. Or, you know, he won't even get it. And if he shares with me about Australia, it's not like I'm going to get it. I wasn't there. And I just began to just deception after deception. And finally, at one point, I was like, wait a second. Hold on a minute here. I could have sworn Pastor Benjamin and Pastor Sonny told me and Christian that we are one. 
I think, I think I learned that lesson. I was like, wait, something's not right here. I, and I just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to write to Pastor Sunny because I need her to speak into my life. And so I wrote her this email, like long email about like, you know, like just talking about all my problems, right? And this long email, sent it to her. And then I pressed click and I was like, okay, when she writes back, I will be able to shift into the spirit. Pay attention here. When she responds and when I hear those words, I will be able to shift in the spirit. Okay. Now, can you guess what happened? One day passed by, two days passed by, three days, a week passes by. Now, if I wasn't here maybe like a year ago, I would have been in a place where I was like, she doesn't care about me. She says I'm, I'm like a daughter to her. She doesn't care. And you know, like just self-pity mode, victim, all that. I would have pulled that card and just waved it around. I'm a victim today, you know, and just declare that over myself just because I didn't get an email response from her. I would have done that. But can I tell you what actually happened? I sent the email and I pressed sent. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? I don't even need to wait to she responds for me to shift in the spirit. I know what's truth and I know what's lies. Now, when I was in California in February, I remember meeting pastor Benjamin's spiritual mentor, pastor Daniels. And I said to him, pastor Daniels, I'm jealous of pastor Benjamin. And he's like, why? And I was like, because if he wants to see you, he just takes a 10 minute drive and you're right there. But for me, he's halfway across the world. It's so, it's hard for me to get in in touch with him or in time to whatever thing I'm going through. He's so lucky. You guys are so close. And he was just like, no daughter of God. And he just said in the spirit, there's no distance. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. You know, (laughs) I mean, okay. You know, and I was like, oh yeah, that's so good. Wrote it down. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Obviously there's distance. I have five fantasy. You know, but at that moment, when I sent that email, I I heard Pastor Daniel's voice say that in the spirit, there's no distance. And then all of a sudden I began to pray. You know what, God? I know who my mentors are. I know the pastors that are covering me and I have access to them in the spirit. And I don't need to wait for the flesh to get satisfied or fulfilled by having a one-on-one three hour meeting with them in order for me to shift to the truth. I can do that right now. Now, I said, I'm going to shift in this spirit. I believe that I'm fully covered even before I get a response to this email. And at that moment, what happened was I heard Pastor Sonny's voice. And I heard her say the things that she just said to me in passing on the trip. You know, while she was driving, she just said, oh, you know what? When it comes to marriage, you just need to believe that you're always one. And no matter how you feel, you got to declare the truth. I mean, she just said all this good stuff. And also I heard her voice say it right there. Remember, I just sent the email. I did not get a response until two and a half weeks later when I found out she didn't even get the email. Okay. But at that moment, it didn't matter because I heard her voice because I put her words on my heart. All I needed to do was remember what she's already told me. And boom, I shift into the spirit. You know, let me talk about this for a second, because before we shift in the spirit, we say we need to be satisfied in the flesh. 
You're going through something and you're, 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 you're filled with deception and you know that the devil's attacking you, but you make a provision and you say, until I meet with my small group leader and until I get counsel for three hours, I can't get out of here. Or you say, you know what? Until I get a response from the email I sent Pastor Christian three months ago, I can't forgive him. I can't shift out of this place of deception and depression because I need to hear his response first and then I will shift. It does not work like that. You do not get set free by staying in the flesh. You get set free by shifting out of the flesh. You know, how many of your problems will be solved? Not if you get a response from Pastor Christian to your email, but if you just paid attention to his messages. Some of the very answers was in the message he preached two weeks ago. Can I be real with you guys? Because when we write our email responses to you, you know what we're doing? We're just repeating ourselves. You know how many email responses I have to do that's literally repeating what I said two weeks ago? Or a message I preached two weeks ago? It does not work like that. You, your, your flesh does not need to be satisfied before you shift in the spirit. Guess what? You shift in the spirit first. You, you know that you know that the truth is, Pastor Christian and I love you. Thank you, head one. One person believes that. And that whether we're meeting with you one-on-one, we're covering you. See, Pastor Sunny has like a quadrillion people that she's shepherding. Not just that living hope. She has disciples in a lot of nations. Countless nations. She has people calling. She's the spiritual mentor in my life. She's covering so many people. Now, the deception that I was trying to believe is, oh, she's too busy. She has too many people to cover. Therefore, I'm actually out of that covering. It does not work like that. I'm fully covered. I don't care if she has 500 people that call her her spiritual mentor, a thousand people. We established a relationship. We made a commitment in the spirit. Therefore, no matter whether she responds to my email in two days, four days, or not even at all, she completely doesn't get it. It doesn't matter. I'm fully covered. And if I'm fully covered, I have full access to her wisdom. This is a good message. So now what happened was I shifted in the spirit and I said, no, you know what? The truth is my husband and I are one. And the truth is he cares what I have to say. And the truth is everything that I experienced in California and everything he experienced in Australia, we have access to. We both got it for the both of us. Now, when I made that decision to set my mind on the thing of the spirit, All of a sudden, my emotions, I was just, ah, from, wait, I feel, I almost feel like a stranger here to, it's my boo. It's my man right there. All of a sudden, this intimacy that was always there, I connected with that emotionally. And then I couldn't wait to share with him. And I couldn't wait to hear about his trip. And then we went to Japan and had an amazing time in Japan. And then we celebrated our three-year anniversary a week after that. But before we celebrated our three-week anniversary, we had this date that was incredible. All we did was just share. We just talked and talked and went to the park, got bit, talked, got bit, got talked, saw the dog, talked and played. You know, it was just such deep intimacy 
on such a powerful level. But what happened was I shifted my mind first. You see how that happens? Now, if I stayed in a place of believing that what was truth is we had division, that date would have not gone like that. You understand what I'm saying? What it would have looked like was I probably would have gotten mad at him about some silly thing. Like he didn't give me no spoon. Now, why don't you give me a spoon? Why you, you always just get a spoon for yourself. Where's my spoon? And then that would have turned into a fight. And then that fight would have escalated into me going on the subway and going home first and then crying and feeling all bad for myself because my marriage is falling apart. Okay. It was a little bit extreme, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It started with the shift in the mind. If you want to see change in the relationships that you have around you, it doesn't start with the circumstances. You can't wait until your friend changes. You can't wait until your mother changes. You can't wait till your boss changes. Your mind needs to change first. And you need to begin to claim things that may not look true at all in the spirit. Begin to set your mind on it. Believe for it. Claim it. Act according to that and watch your circumstances change. Your mind leads. You know, another area that we got to shift ourselves into the spirit is circumstances. We got to shift from our identity. We got to shift to the relationships that we have around us. But sometimes it's just straight up circumstances. You guys ever lose your wallet? And lose all your IDs that are in your wallet and all the bank account that you just opened up and the important phone number. Actually, I don't know what kind of number you be. A number of a pastor. <laughs> just try to make that holy. But, you know, a number that you, you had that you really needed, but that was written down. It was only in your wallet and all this stuff. And you have... And you face a circumstance of a certain kind. You have an opportunity at that very moment to shift into the spirit. You can choose to shift in the flesh and stay right where you're at. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to believe the lie that, oh, this day is now going to suck officially. Okay, I just lost my wallet. This whole week is ruined. You begin to believe that. Then your mind is set on that. And then your emotions follow that. Now you're all cranky. You know, now you're all upset. You're all, you're all touchy and people can't talk to you because you snap at them. And circumstances will follow. Watch. I guarantee if you set your mind on that, things actually will get worse. And more and more situations happen. Now you lost your keys. Now you lost your dog. It's not a prophetic word. Don't worry. Cancel that. Peter, Jacob, your dog is safe. But if you shift in the spirit and you say, you know what? My wallet is lost, but I am. The truth is my day is not ruined. My week is not ruined. I'm going to have an amazing day. You know what, devil? Just because you stole my wallet, I'm going to, I'm going to evangelize to everybody at work in your face. You know, like you just, you begin to shift into the spirit, the things of the spirit, and you don't let the devil touch your joy. And all of a sudden, your wallet magically reappears. You know how many times that happens? You know, Christian and I, man, there are, there are times where, okay, he's from Philly, right? So whenever things get lost in the past, okay, it's not you now, honey. But in the past, his immediate reaction is somebody stole it. Okay? So for me, 
My immediate reaction is going to be, oh, I misplaced it. Like, oh, dang, I totally lost this money. But for him, it's, who stole my money? <laughs> Baby, who was in the house? I told you the Mamea's kids are shady. But you know what? We've been learning, no matter what happens, even if $1,000 was lost, it ain't going to touch us. Please, I'm rich in the spirit. And that manifests in my life in natural form. See, I'm a lender. I'm not a borrower. That's my identity. Therefore, if I lose $1,000, it's all good. Just claim it. It's going to come back. We don't let the devil touch our joy. We set our mind on the things of the spirit. And you know how many times that money reappears? All of a sudden, like, who stole my... Oh, here it is. Huh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, it just... And then it's all good. But whether it reappeared or not, from the moment you lost it to the moment it reappears, that whole time was not wasted. Sulking, being angry, being bitter, being depressed, being nasty to people. None of that was wasted. You were in the spirit the whole time. You know, when Paul and Silas, they got imprisoned, they got beat up before they were thrown into prison. Can you imagine the wounds that were just open all over their bodies? Nobody tends, it's not like, oh, before you go to the prison, we're going to take you to this five-star hospital. And then we're going to take really, and then once you're all healed up, we'll put you in a, a prison that really looks like a hotel room. It's just the moment you get your butt whooped, okay, you're totally beat up. You just get thrown in. Nobody's going to tend to your wounds. And they're there in the prison cell, all beaten up, chained. And they had an opportunity to shift into the flesh or in the spirit. They had the thought, where am I going to adjust my mind to? Can you imagine the physical pain that they were experiencing? They had physical pain. How tired they must have been. Who knows when the last time they ate a meal was. It's not like the prison was clean. There was probably all these little rats and critters and a Malaysia team. I heard y'all, you know, had some friendly encounters with all kinds of insects. And, you know, it's so much more worse than that. They had every reason to want to think that they could complain and set their minds on the things of the flesh, the old nature, the old self. But rather than that, what they did is they began to sing and rejoice. Now, you know what I think happened? Because if it was me, it would probably happen like this. When they first started singing, it probably wasn't like, great is Lord. It was probably like, great is Lord. Almighty Al. God, I worship you. You know, like, I'm sure it took a moment where they had to engage out of their flesh and get into the spirit. And they didn't feel like praising. It's not like, oh, the spirit of praise has come upon me. Let's all sing a hymn, you know? It didn't happen like that. They had to step out of that place of being completely frustrated, completely annoyed, completely defeated and hurt, and they pushed through, and then they began to set their minds on the things of God, and they sang. And they started singing with their emotions, probably not even there with them. But it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if they were feeling it or not. They sang it in faith. They set their mind upon it. They sang it. And all of a sudden, I can imagine all the worship just began to flow. 
And then their emotions probably. You ever come into Friday Fire or Sunday and worship and you, before you step in, you're upset about something? You just talk to your sister and you're like, oof, can't stand her. You come in, you're like, great. And you're just like, great is the Lord. You know, you ever get that? But all of a sudden you just, you keep worshiping and you keep worshiping and something happens in the worship. Something happens where all of a sudden you just, your emotions begin to follow what your spirit is setting its eyes on. And then you felt discouraged coming in, but in the middle of worship, you're set free from that because you just shift into the spirit. And now the way that you're feeling is filled with joy. Something happens. So here they are, they're just rejoicing. And then what happens is an earthquake happens. You know, if we want to see the power of God come into our lives, you got to shift your mind first. We wait and stay in the flesh and expect the supernatural to come into our lives. It does not work like that. You got to shift into the things of the spirit, set your minds on the things of the spirit and watch the power of God come through your life. Like you've never seen it before. But what we do is we just wallow in pity and we're like, God, where are you? Where's your power? I thought I was more than a conqueror, but you know, you just, what you wait for in those moments. That's not how you get the miracle. You shift your mind, even in your circumstances. Bangladesh, I heard was hot. I heard the heat was extraordinary. I actually went to the office the other day and I came in sweating and Caleb was just chilling. And I was like, it's so hot. Caleb's like, man, this is nothing. And he's, you know, just laying down, you know, on the computer. And I was like, what are you? He's like, Bangladesh was like, could you billion times hotter than this? And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. But you know what I heard? I heard that on that team, there wasn't a single fight because of the heat. There wasn't a single person snapping at another person because they were so hot. You ever, you ever be in a really hot situation? It's so easy to just be like, oh. You know, like, stop leaning on me. You know, like, they were in this tiny little van, right, shoulder to shoulder. You guys will see the pictures next week, but it was tight with equipment, with bat, with the imigabangs. Listen, imigabangs that are this big, taking up seats for, like, what normally two people could fit in. They were all smushed in. They're so hot, but all of them were in the spirit. They were in the spirit. You know what they described that time? Filled with joy, they said. Lisa was like, I can't explain it except the grace of God. But you know how they tapped into the grace of God? What their mind was set on was probably, I can't wait because these people are going to experience God. Oh, it's hot, but you know what? It doesn't even matter because we're about to go minister and fire is going to fall. Man, it's sticky, but you know what? It doesn't even matter because the love of God is going to come upon the nation of Bangladesh. I'm sure what they were thinking at that moment was not, oh my gosh, it's so hot, even though they might have thought that for a second, but their minds were set on the things of the Spirit. And because of that, their experience was completely different. What you allow your mind to believe is what you give authority to. And we give way too much authority to our circumstances. We give way too much authority to our physical bodies. We give way too much authority to our emotions. But we need to give authority to the word of God. Because when we do that, 
What we read in the word of God will actually then manifest in our lives. You are called victorious one. Amen. You are the victorious one. I want you guys to just close your eyes. Everything that we do, you know, we can't say that this generation is a faithless generation. That's not true. This generation actually has a lot of faith, but a lot of them have the faith in the wrong thing. When you're physically sick and your mind is set on the sickness, you believe more in the sickness than you do the word of God. Trust me, you're putting your faith into use, but what are you believing in? Where are you putting your faith? Where have you been putting your faith? In your circumstances, in your relationships, in your identity. Where has your faith been? And I just feel like today, we just got to shift together. God is saying, shift in the spirit. You feel like you burnt out? Shift. That's a lie. You feel like, oh, you need, I need a break from this church thing. What? Shift. That's a lie. Oh, Pastor Christian doesn't care about me because he didn't respond to my email. Shift. That's a lie. You have an opportunity to access the supernatural when you shift. And I believe God wants us to just begin to tap into that. So let's all just begin to pray. And when you pray, I want you to pray with boldness. I want you to shout it out. I want you to declare it. God, I'm shifting in this spirit. I may not feel like it. I may not experience what I want, but it doesn't matter. I'm shifting in accordance to your word because your word is truth. Your word always remains. Come on, church. Let's just begin to cry out.